Welcome to the SpyFi Guys, where we cover spy facts, spy fiction, and everything in between. I'm Christian. And I'm Zach. And today we have a micro-doc. What do we have, Zach? So recently we've been doing a lot of kids' movies. We did Spy Kids, we did Cars. So I thought we would talk about a beloved character from our childhood, a man you may know named Roald Dahl. Oh, where are we going with this? <laughs> As you may or may not know, Roald Dahl has some experience in the spy world, and we're going to talk about that today. Are we going to talk about he's how he wrote uh, "You Only Live Twice" for? Hey, hey, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not give anything away. Let's All not right. give anything away. So my source is the book "The Real Roald Dahl" by Nadia Cohen. Okay. Not a long book. I think it's less than two hundred pages. Huh. If you're All curious, right. check it out for yourself. So Roald Dahl's adventures begin when he joined the RAF in the early days of World War II. Huh. All right. And he was assigned to the number eighty squadron in North Africa, where he flew a biplane, which is what they flew in the very early days of World War II. Wow. Okay. So nineteen September nineteen forty. He was flying what was called the Gloucester Gladiator, which is a biplane. Uh He was directed to the wrong location. There was no airstrip when he arrived. Oh, geez. So he ran out of fuel. He was forced to land at 80 miles an hour in the pitch darkness. This is basically a crash landing. He fractured his skull, smashed his nose, was temporarily blinded. Oh, God. So he was not knocked unconscious, though, because the smell of petrol kept him awake, forced the canopy open, and he crawled away before the plane's fuel tanks exploded. But then the heat set off the eight machine guns, which fired bullets off in random directions. But he was not hit. (laughs) But fortunately, three infantrymen seen the plane crash, and they found him. That's probably saved his life. I think it's safe to say. For weeks, he was unable to open his eyes. His face needed to be restored surgically, and he spent almost six months in the hospital. Oof. Now, here's the thing, though. What I didn't mention just now, and neither did Roald when he often recounted the story, was that another pilot was flying with him, landed successfully, and stayed with him until help arrived. Oh, okay. Now, uh, Nadia notes, his tendency to exaggerate and tell tall tales would continue through his writing career. Wow. (laughs) So he exaggerated that story, and it would not be the last one. But the injuries to his back that he sustained would plague him for the rest of his life. Hmm. So Roald wanted to fly again, but damage to his back forced him to train new recruits until he was noticed by a World War I flying ace named Snoopy, I mean, Major Harold Balfour, <laughs> who was looking for someone to represent the RAF in the USA. So Roald was sent to D.C. as an air attache <laughs> at the British Embassy. So Roald was struck by the contrast between going from a place where people were dying and getting maimed to these fancy cocktail parties. But he also liked the finer things in life, so he was happy to do it and fit in really well. So during this period was when he started his writing career with stories of his adventures in the war, again, often exaggerated. Mm-hmm. His first story was called Gremlin Lore, which was legends about gremlins in planes that mess with the planes uh. and cause problems for RAF pilots. Mm-hmm. He also started making friends in high places, including high-ranking British officers such as Ian Fleming, who needs no introduction. Roald said Fleming was, quote, a sparky, witty, caustic companion full of jokes and odd bits of knowledge, close quote. They admired each other's similar attitudes about womanizing, drinking, gambling, and so on. (laughs) They also met Canadian spymaster William Stevenson, who passed info to them about FDR, which they then sent on to Churchill. Mm-hmm. So to say Roald was the spy is like kind of true, mm-hmm. but in the same way that Rudolf Abel from Bridge of Spies was. Hmm. 
in the sense that he, he didn't like infiltrate. He didn't tap anybody's phones. Uh-huh. He just passed on what he saw and heard. I mean, that's like the majority of, especially in right. that day of intelligence is human like that. You're passing on whatever information you can pick up. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're talking about your ally. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So he started his writing, including script writing, and his embassy colleagues didn't understand why his bosses allowed him to do it. (laughs) And there was a theory, not proven in the book, that said he was part of the British Security Coordination, or BCS. Now, Mm -hmm. I've never heard of that. I've never heard of it either. Yeah. So Nadia says the BCS had been said to promote British interests in the USA and later turned to training spies. Hmm. So Stevenson, the Canadian spymaster from before, was thought to have been courting a network of more than a thousand secret agents during the war, and it would also explain why Rold ran with so many high rollers. Hmm. He even spent a weekend with FDR and the First Lady in the summer of 1943, and Hmm. as always, delivered his observations back to Churchill. Mm -hmm. You maybe have heard that he was a ladies' man during this period, Mm -hmm. so in that respect, he was still murder bond. He doesn't kill anybody. Quote, he found that the wives of powerful men often felt neglected by their busy husbands and could be persuaded to let all kinds of valuable tidbits slip if they were given enough of the right kind of attention. Wow. Losses in the war also lent to fewer men in general. So that helped. He would end up marrying Patricia Neal, the actor. Have you ever heard of her? No. Yeah. The name sounded familiar. She's, you know, she's like an actor from like the 40s, 50s. So, but this was after that, that woman icing period. His war injuries flared up again, and by the time he recovered, he felt it was time to move on and get back to writing his true passion. Hmm. But Stevenson, him again, wanted Rold to write a history of the BCS, and Rold agreed to do it because he needed the money. Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately, in order to write it, he was sent to a remote military base at Lake Ontario, Canada, known as Camp X. Camp X. Remember Camp X? I do. From way back in our first episode, Fleming. And Age of Heroes. Oh god, let's 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 forget about Age of Heroes. What you didn't like Age of Heroes? I thought it was neither right. of us did, if I recall. <laughs> Alright, anyway, so it was in the middle of nowhere. When Rold got there, he found it was little more than a storage space for highly sensitive archive material. He got bored fast and left in September 1945 after retiring from the military. So, as everyone knows, he went on to write all these beloved children's books that traumatized children (laughs) for generations and generations. He would, however, cross the spy world a couple more times. Mm -hmm. In 1967, he was hired to write the screen adaptation of You Only Live Twice, like you said, Christian. Uh Rold thought You Only Live Twice was Fleming's worst book. (laughs) Did you know that? Interesting. I did not know that. Does he say why? Well, he wanted to make major changes, and the producers agreed as long as he didn't change the girl formula yep. that we've talked about before. I, I guess that was the deal breaker. That was like the one thing you need to have in a James Bond movie. So the novel of You Only Live Twice is very different than the movie because it's set right. after uh, after On Her Majesty's Secret Service in the novels. So it's got a more depressed Bond. Right. And- I mean, there's things that are still similar, like the t- character of Tiger Tanaka, who tell our listeners upon reading the Money Pity Diaries, uh, right. you were like, you know, he's mentioned, and ooh, this sounds like a great person to do a microdot on, and realize he's a fictional character. <laughs> they really got me with that one. I thought for sure he was real. <laughs> but yeah, so characters, um, like, and then him and the uh, Kissy Suzuki character name, at least, and then uh, Henderson as the uh, other contact in Japan. But the rest of the plot is super different. 
so you only look twice is the one where he goes to Japan and does like Japan phase, right? Yes. I, I bet Roll is involved with that. In the novel. Oh really? <laughs> it's not as explicit. Well, it's not I mean, it's still terrible, but it's not as bad. There's no prosthetics involved in this, oh, in this novel. <laughs> Plus it's one thing to read about, it's another thing to see it. Yeah. So anyway. So it took Roald eight weeks to write the screenplay, and he came up with the miniature helicopter battle Ah. and the spacecraft that swallows another spacecraft, (laughs) among other ideas. Roald was paid $165,000, which is the equivalent of $1.5 million today to write it. That's that's pretty good. Yeah, you could say that again. And he bought himself a Rolls Royce with the money. But despite go. all their work, despite all the fame and fortune, he didn't care much for the final product, <laughs> the final script, the final script that is, not, not yeah. the movie, oh, the final okay. script. And he called it, quote, the biggest load of bullshit I've ever put my hand to. <laughs> uh, I quite like <laughs> You Only Live Twice, but, you know. <laughs> Apparently a lot of other people did, too. Yeah. So that is Roald Dahl. If you want to know more about Roald Dahl's life, please feel free to check out the book. But that is the spy side of things. Yeah, well, tangentially spy-related, he also wrote the no- uh, the screenplay for Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, which is one of Ian Fleming's few non-spy books. It is a children's book and also a kid's movie. Yeah. I seem to remember with traumatic elements as well, oh, which makes yeah, it perfect. Well, like are traumatized by like the rat catcher or well, the child catcher. Oh, the child catchers, yeah. But also just more Bond connections in there. It's produced by part of the uh, production team for the Bond movies. And it got has both Goldfinger, the actor whose name escapes me at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. Also Q's actor, Desmond Llewellyn. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. Well, thank you for all of that, Zach. It's really interesting to hear more about sort of what he did during the war. I mean, I feel like anyone who lived during that era has some crazy stories about them what they did during the war but right. real interesting to find that out about Roald Dahl now thank you all for joining us you can find us on social media at the Spy Fi Guys on Facebook, Twitter, that's right Twitter not X and Instagram yep. as well as our merch store at redbubble.com until next time I'm Christian and I'm Zach and we are the Spy Fi Guys signing off thank you for listening If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. The theme music is by Jer Fitzgerald and Big Man Joe. Media reviewed by our podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This is a personal podcast. Any views, statements, or opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the participants. They do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the participants may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual. You can find our podcast on social media at The Spy Fi Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.